1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let me mention a couple of the booklets that are on the table. This one is called Questions and Doubts. I'll mention this one later in the message tonight. I wrote it after I was saved. I asked God to give me something whereby I could help people know the difference between questions and doubts or something along that, na- along that line. Because I'd see people who'd say, well, all saints have doubts. And I knew that wasn't true, but didn't want to sound super religious or super spiritual. And I just heard the phrase again last week about this preacher said, man, if you don't doubt your salvation, there's something wrong with you. Well, if you doubt your salvation, there is something wrong with you. Because you question it doesn't mean you doubt it. And you need to see the difference in the two. And that's this one. And the other one is called When the Morning Comes, which is on the death of a saint. And uh, if you want either one of these, they're yours for a love offering to the Tate Ministry. I don't use these for my income. I don't supplement my income with them in any way. They just go into our Tate Ministry and printing ministry to, to purchase other material. So if you'd like to have them, we want you to have them. And this one on questions and doubts, the principle of it is in the message tonight. Because I want to speak to you on how to unclutter your mind. And if you know in this day there's a lot of clutter in your minds, it's bound around a word called confusion. 1 Corinthians 14, beginning with verse 27. Now this is speaking of the early church when those in the church, those prophets spoke in different languages. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. Let the prophet speak two or three, and let the other judge. If anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. For you may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be comforted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. I like the last phrase, because what's good enough for the church in Corinth is good enough for the church in Palestine. Right here. All the churches of the saints. See the word for confusion? This is a word we're going to deal with tonight. Turn with me to the book of James and let's pick up another passage dealing with the same word. The book of James. Look in chapter 3. Beginning of verse 13 of the third chapter of James. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Now let's pray together. Our fathers, we bow in your presence tonight. We want to thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
And we've come tonight to study a portion of thy word and see how to unclutter our minds in the realm of salvation. Because there is so much confusion in this day. But Lord, I pray that we can get rid of the clutter and the confusion and throw out everything that the devil's put in and we can come to clarity of understanding. Lord, I know that today you want your children to know that they know that they know that they say. That they have the deep saddle restful assurance that salvation has come and peace and tranquility is deep-seated in the depths of their souls. Our Father, I ask you tonight, if you'd just liberate our minds and hearts and set us free from confusion. But let us see how to do it for your glory. And I'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now if you don't remember any other thing I say tonight, please remember this. The translation of the word for confusion means disorder. Always disorder. Anytime you see these two words which are actually the same word in the book of James and in 1 Corinthians 14, it means disorder. That confusion is disorder and disorder is disarrangement. Now, like I said, I've seen so many confused folks in the realm of salvation. Now, we can talk about sanctification and service, but tonight I want to talk about salvation. And if there's one thing I thank God for tonight, it's the knowledge that I've been born again. Oh, after I was saved, I knew something beyond doubt for the first time in my life. Now, I was confused before I was saved. Lived in doubt and frustration before I was saved. Preaching those 15 years as a Baptist preacher and unsaved and confused. But thank God, since I've been saved, I'm not confused anymore. Now you say, why? Because I got the order straight. If you ever get the order straight, you won't be confused. But if you got a mind filled with false doctrine and tradition and what the devil's put in there and what people's put in there, you're confused. Now the trouble with most folks in the first place, they got their own idea of what salvation is to start with. Every once in a while, I see someone who thinks that salvation is by works. If you do good, good enough good works to outweigh your bad works, you go into heaven. Well, when the Holy Spirit moves on you with spiritual conviction, you'll be confused. But it won't be because the Holy Ghost confused you. It was because you had disorder already and were confused and didn't know it. You say, but God doesn't confuse you. No, he doesn't. But you can sure be confused over the order of salvation. You can be confused about Holy Spirit order and set your own order or the devil can give you an order. And if you think works are necessary for salvation, you'll really get confused trying to get rid of what's error and what's truth inside your mind. Well, I want to thank God if we ever do get the order straight, we won't have any doubts about salvation. But you've got to get the order straight. Some folks don't even know there is an order, and others don't know what the order is, and some don't want to go to the trouble to find the order. 
So thank God I want to find out whether or not I'm going to heaven or not, don't you? Man, if it's one place I'm planning to go, it's heaven. And somebody says, well, it doesn't matter to me. It matters to me. Well, ask God, if you know something salvation is not, come tell me about it. I want to find out about it. But, oh, if you don't know what the order is, you confuse. And the devil can put so many things in there and clutter up your mind and confuse you. You know what confusion means? Well, I'll give you a good illustration. You parents, have you ever had your little girls have spend-the-night parties? You know what I mean? Have you ever had these little girls invite a bunch of little girls over to the house and spend the night? Called a pajama party, ever what they call it. I don't know what they call it. And then when you get up the next morning, you go in your little girl's room, and it looks like a tornado has come. That's what you call disaster. They got everything strode all over the place. I went in there one time after the night with those kids, and I looked at that room, and I wanted to shut the door on the room and say, forget it. They had it cluttered. In the first place, they had the orderly arrangement of the bedroom in disarrangement when we came in. Some of them had some of their things in there, and looking at it, you couldn't tell what was ours and what was theirs. And to clear out that room and set it in order, you had to find what was yours and what was theirs and get rid of what wasn't yours and put yours in order so that you had the room straight. That's exactly what we're going to do tonight with salvation. We're going to put this thing in order. And if you're not in order, you're not saved. Isn't that good? <laughs> hey, I'm going to scare some of you so bad tonight you're going to shake and tremble before I get through. Amen. Some of you are going to get so scared of me before I get through with this sermon, you're going to be nervous and fretting. <laughs> I just thought I'd tell you. Now see, some of you sitting right, you're so afraid to examine your salvation because you say, I got it, but you're not sure you got it. You're hoping you got it. You're thinking you got it. And you're afraid to even consider it. For you, your tree's going to be shook. So I'll leave, then we'll know you're shook already. <laughs> Ain't that good? Amen, Charles. Good preaching. <laughs> I don't care whether you folks amen or not. I'll amen. Stick them, Charles. Get them. Amen, son. <laughs> and the order may not be the little order you put it in either. may not be the selection of your few little verses that you got together and call it salvation. Let's go back and pick up order, okay? You say, well, can you find any illustration at all? 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. And the little word for creature is the translation of the word creation. All right, let's go back and look at the creation. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Now, this is the order of the creation. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. All right? He tells you when. Okay, now you've got to have a when. Amen. Hey, the Lord, you got to have a win. When were you saved? You say, I don't know. You're just not saved. That's it. Amen, Charles. 
You don't know when you're saved, you're just not saved. That's just a matter of fact. Amen. Now, it doesn't mean you got to know the year or the month or the day, but you know when it was because it was your beginning. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's when. You say when. In the beginning of new life, when God saved you, came inside you, birthed you into the family of God, you were born from, from death into life, you passed from darkness to life, and whenever God saved you, ladies and gentlemen, it was the greatest experience of your life, and it was the beginning of time for you. When was it? In the beginning, God. Then who did it? Something you did or something done to you? You say, something I did. Well, you're still not saved because salvation, something's done to you when you did the believing. Hey, you do the believing, but he's the one who does the saving. When was it in the beginning? Who did it? God. And what did he do? He made a new creation. And when God saved me, he made me a new creature in Christ Jesus, July the 15th, 11.30, 1, Bryan Street, Tupelo, Mississippi. God quickened this life, made me a new creature, and that was the beginning of the beginning for Charles Shipman. Amen. Amen. And I know who did it. You say, but that's all, that all the order? Oh, I'm just telling you, in the beginning it started. Now he's fixing to tell you how he did it, beginning verse 2. Well, I love this passage. Verse number two shows you the, the mess he started with as far as the earth is concerned. Now, there's some words here that'll be precious to you. And the earth was without form and void. There's a translation in Isaiah 34, 11 of two Hebrew words that are found without form and void here. And they are the words without form, void, in Isaiah, confusion, emptiness. Oh, we got our word confusion. When God looked at this chaotic mess of earth, it was chaos. It was confusion. It meant a whirling mass of matter and motion whirling with no order, with no arrangement, with no direction whatsoever. And that's exactly how the sinner is before he's saved. The Bible calls it lost, ladies and gentlemen. Lost. A man without Christ is lost. You say, what's wrong with him? He doesn't have God's order. He doesn't have God's arrangement inside of him. He lives away from God because he doesn't have God's life. And the word emptiness always refers to that vacuum in which there is no life. And it's Ephesians 2, 1, and you have to quicken who were dead in trespasses and sin. And it means without God's life. And so this early form of Cree of earth was confusion, whirling mass, no order, and dead without any life. And that's exactly what the sinner is before God moves on him. He said, but does he know it yet? Nope. That's another, the rest of that verse says, and darkness was on the face of the deep. Now, could you see the confusion? No, nobody could, but God could see that. Could you see the emptiness? Nobody but God could see that. Because darkness was upon the face of the deep. And what was it Paul said? That the devil hath blinded the minds of those who believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ shine unto them. Folks, if you're unsaved tonight, 
You're lost and dead and there is darkness in your soul. On the face of your soul. On the face of your spirit. And you think you can see. But you can't see yourself. You're satisfied in your lostness. You're satisfied in your deadness. You're content the way you are. But you're a mess to God. You say, well, is God going to leave me like this? Uh-uh, he hadn't even started on you if it hadn't dawned on you yet. But this is a description of you before you got saved. This is how God saw you. But I like the last part of the verse that said, And the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. That little word for moved means brooded. Now, some of you folks live on a farm. You ever seen a mother hen brood over her young? The book of Deuteronomy, it says, Like an eagle fluttereth her wings. It means to sit down on. You know what the Holy Ghost did with this mess? He just moved in on it. And he sat down on it. And he engulfed it. He covered it over. He wrapped it up in himself. And that's exactly what Jesus meant when he said, I'll send the Holy Ghost. Have you ever been sat down on by the Holy Ghost? Amen. I have, brother. No, I have. I'm expecting him to sit on you tonight. (laughs) Salvation is of the Lord. And if he doesn't convict you, you'll never get saved. But he will. He will. And he does a good job. Now you just may as well know. He was sent into this world to reprove the world of sin. We're going to talk about that on the first day. See, we had not got to the order yet. We're just getting ready for the order. And so well, I thought we already had it. Uh-uh. Man, the order hadn't even got started yet. First day hadn't even come yet. We're just getting God the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost in their arrangement. See, to get the order straight, you don't start with man. You start with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. You say, well, who's the Son? He's the Word. Uh-huh. And nothing was made without the Word. That's the reason you've got to come to Jesus in order to get made. Ah, this reading salvations of the Lord Jesus. He's the Word. And then the Spirit is the one who produces it. And Job said, by the breath of his mouth, he made all this. So the Spirit positionizes himself upon all this chaos and all this mess. And the Son is fixing to speak because it was all in the Father's mind. And you'll find out the Father thought it and the Son said it and the Spirit produced it. And that's exactly how it is in salvation. One day I got moved on. I got set down on. I got fluttered over. <laughs> I got brooded over by the Holy Ghost. Amen. You say, where was he? In my spirit. Oh, my spirit. Wrapped up my spirit. You say, for what? To begin the work. See, you're not a, you don't work for salvation. You are a work of salvation. Ephesians 2.10 says that. You're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And the way he works on you is the Spirit of God moves on you. He begins to brood over you. He begins to hover over you. When you go to job, he's still on you to job. You get out in your car, he gets in the car with you. You go home and get in the bed, and the Holy Ghost gets in the bed with you. And you are a mess when the Holy Ghost gets in the bed with you. So I haven't happened to me yet. You better look out. It may happen before daylight. Amen. I like it. I like it. 
Find out what he does. See, he is going to make it in order so there's no confusion. There's no confusion in creation. The only confusion in the universe is what man's done. But there's no confusion in anything the Godhead's ever done. There'll never be any confusion in anything God does. And if God does it, there won't be any confusion about it. You may get confused till it's through, but you'll find out you're confused all the time. Like, for instance, look at the first day. Now we're going to begin with order, okay? Look at the first day. And God said, let there be light. Now, that's Jesus talking. Remember John chapter 1, nothing's made without him. He made everything. He spoke everything into existence, and the Spirit produced it. Let there be light, and there was light. Uh, you say, what does this speak of in the New Testament? John 16 says, when he has come, speaking of the Holy Ghost, he will reprove the world of sin. And the word for reprove means to turn the light on, expose and convict. The first work in creation was to turn the light on. You say, well, what happened when God turned the light on? Well, when it turned the light on, it didn't make a condition, it just revealed what was. Isn't that right? Like when we came in this building tonight, you know the first things we did? Turn the light on. Somebody turned the light on. But when you turn the light on in this sanctuary, did it make the condition in here? Oh no, it revealed what already was. Well, when God said, let there be light, and there was light, it revealed the emptiness, and it revealed the confusion. And this is the reason every sinner is lost and he's dead till God flips a light on in him and then he knows it. God knew it before he revealed it. And then he says, well, it dawned on me I was lost. You remember when it dawned on you you was lost? Amen. Hey, when it just dawned on you, that didn't make you lost. You was already lost, but God just flipped your switch. Amen. Brother, when God flipped your switch, I want to tell you, you're going to see something like you've never seen. And you're not going to like what you see, but what you're going to see is yourself. Because you are in disorder. You've got an arrangement of lust and desires and of self that you've arranged yourself in order. And you love worldly things and you love fleshly things. And you're satisfied the way you are till God turns the light on. And then you'll never be satisfied again till you come to Jesus Christ. Ah, oh, He reveals you to you. And you know what usually happens when the light gets turned on? According to the Bible, the gospel is light, Jesus is light, and he called the preachers to preach, and we're called children of light, and sometimes God uses us to flip your switch, and you get mad at the preacher, and get mad at the church, and get mad at your wife, and get mad at your husband, and get mad at your children, and you start persecuting the church and say, I'll never come back there again, but it's too late, the Holy Ghost has done set out on you, sir. <laughs> I love it when the Holy Ghost sits down on folks, don't you? And I can remember when he sat out on me and revealed to me what I was. But what I'm saying to you tonight is that the first work in the Holy Ghost is to show you what you are. Amen. Now the first step in God's order, you're going to know you're lost. No guess so. No if. No think so. No maybe so. I know that I know that I know that I know I'm lost. And if it never comes that clear, it wasn't God. If you can't go back, sir, to a time in your life 
when God showed you what you were. He gave you a sight that you've never gotten away from. It was you. To where you knew beyond doubt. I'm lost. You're still in your lostness. If you can't remember it. If you can't remember it. If you can't remember it. You're just not saved. You say why be so dogmatic? For this reason. One day God showed me that my business is as a physician of the soul. Sometimes surgeons operate on people and lose them. And they lost their life. But if we operate and don't tell folks the truth and don't do it through love and we happen to lose them, we've lost their souls in the process. So I decided the devil's the one causing confusion. And if I preach like I'm highway mad, I want you to know I am. But I'm not mad at you folks. I'm mad at the devil for confusion salvation. I'm mad at him. Because he's cluttered so many minds and so many hearts and so many lives and damning their souls to hell. And it makes me angry, the Bible said. Be angry and sin not. I'm not angry at people. I'm just angry at the devil because he's cluttered up so many lives and he's confused so many minds and people hoping they're going to heaven and won't listen to the Holy Ghost. So please don't think I'm angry at you. But see, I travel this country over. It's like Brother John does. I'm 40 meetings a year. And I see confusion in the realm of salvation. I see people who think they're going to heaven who never had a personal experience with the living Christ and my heart bleeds and my spirit cries out. It makes me want to stand on the highest mountain peak of the cities and of the countries and say, listen folks, God has a salvation plan that's simple and direct and the first part of that is the acknowledgement that you're lost and you know it. Oh, that word for reprove not only means to expose and turn the light on, but it means to lay the blame upon. It means to reveal the condition until there is an acknowledgement of the condition. Now, there was no trouble in the acknowledgement of the condition of the earth because it, it was an inanimate object. But with us, we have a will. And we didn't rebel against the light. In fact, John chapter 3 the Bible said men love darkness rather than light cause their deeds or even will not come into the light lest their deeds should be reproved. See, when the Holy Ghost first shows us ourselves, we don't like it and we don't like the light because we love darkness and our works. But I want to thank God that the Holy Ghost doesn't give up, folks. He's long-suffering. I'm glad He's long-suffering. But here, God turned the light on and it revealed what was. Now, like I said, here's an order in creation. Then on that second day when God did the order, He set the order of the firmament straight, the place where He was going to work. Now I know this, God could have made everything just by the snap of your fingers. God could have made everything in a moment by speaking it into existence. But He didn't. God made it in an order of six days and rested on the seventh day so that everything in His universe is in order. And it's just like it was in 1 Corinthians 14. He said, let us speak one by one so that there don't be any confusion. And folks, if you want, don't, if you want to unclutter your mind, find God's order. And from God's order always, first of all, is the reproval of sins. 
It's acknowledgement that you're lost and you know it. It's the acknowledgement that before God you have sinned and that you are a sinner and that you have sinned. And it's not that you have to know everything about it. It's just the knowledge that you know what you are. And folks, that's hard to handle. See, old self wants to rise up and depend on its goodness and declare its merits before the God of the universe. But that God won't allow anything in His presence but righteousness through Jesus Christ. But you say, well, what is the second order? Well, as best I can understand, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 says, Godless sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. And that's repentance, ladies and gentlemen. The first message of repentance was delivered by John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, where he said, except you repent, or to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew four seventeen, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And in Luke chapter 13, Luke chapter 15, and Luke chapter 16, you'll find out that except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Heaven believes in repentance and hell believes in repentance. And in, in Acts chapter 17, you'll find that except you repent, all I was commanded to repent will be judged by that man, Jesus Christ. You say, well, what is repentance? Repentance means a change of mind about God and about sin and about yourself. And folks, if you want to set this order straight, if you want to unclutter your mind, if you want to know that you can know that you know, and you want to know that you're going to heaven when you die, just get the order straight. The order is that first of all, you're reproved of your sin, and you're willing to come clean before God. You're going to cooperate with the Holy Ghost who's moved upon you. And then that mind has been changed. Godly sorrow, godly grief. We call it conviction. You say, you mean to tell me there's something you feel in salvation? That's exactly right. There are feelings in salvation. Godly sorrow is a feeling. And when the Holy Ghost moves on you, there's distress of spirit. And when He reproves you, turns the light on, shows you what you are, He makes you sorry for your sin and sorry for being a sinner. And when you take your place before God in repentance toward God with a change of mind, your change of mind is God is holy and God is righteous and God is right and I am a sinner and I've sinned against God. And that's God's order, folks. He doesn't change His order. God is not working to confuse man. He's working to straighten him out. Our problem today is we have to unlearn so much so we can learn it correctly. And in the third day of this order, beginning in verse number 9, you see the order of the dry land and of the seas, and the grass and the herbs and the fruit tree yielding after their kind. You say, well, in salvation, what would the third step be? Well, as best I can understand, if I understand the Scriptures correctly, after a man has declared himself lost, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit reproves the world of sin and of righteousness. Well, thanks be unto God, the Holy Ghost didn't only... Yes. And I thank God that whenever I saw myself as I was, and when I was willing to repent of my sins, and when my mind was changed, I wanted to find out what I could do about my condition. And you know what I believe the next step is? Is redemption. So see, if you ever find out you're lost, and declare yourself lost before God, you won't know what you can do about your sin problem. Well, it's not one thing you knew, but there is something somebody else did about your sin problem. And Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross for your sins, entered into the heavenly sanctuary with His blood, and obtained eternal redemption for you. And that word for redemption means to deliver by paying a price. And Jesus Christ paid my sin debt on Calvary's cross, ascended into heaven, 
and obtain liberty and freedom for me through His precious blood. You say, well, what's the next step? Well, the next step is just like here, an orderly arrangement. You say, well, what about the day of salvation? Well, the next thing connected with redemption is always remission. See, what he told the disciples to preach in Luke 24 was repentance and remission of sins in the name of Jesus. The book of Hebrews says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And remission means to remit, to separate the sin from the sinner and send it away. And always carries the under, underlying principle of forgiveness. I talked about that last night. But the greatest thing God ever did for me in salvation was to forgive me of my sins and give me peace. Oh, glory. When I found out what I was, I couldn't anybody talk me out of knowing that I was lost. You know, I had some folks try. I really did. And I, I, if I'd been in that place, I might have. Because I, like I said, I'd preached 15 years as a preacher. I didn't know what salvation was. I didn't have any order. That's what my trouble. I'd always try to find my order. When I was 11, my order was, my friend Bobby pressured me, said, won't you go join the church? Step one. I don't want to. Yeah, come on. Okay. Step two. I walked down the aisle. Preacher said, you're telling Jesus the Savior? I said, yes. He said, good. So I fill out the card. Step four. I filled out the card. It was a game. Got baptized on Sunday. No change. And that was my order. That's all I ever had. That's it. And I was trying to go to heaven with that. As an order. So you should have known better. How could I? My mind was in darkness. I was lost and I was dead. But nobody ever turned the light on on the inside of me. Nobody ever showed me what the order was. Nobody ever let me see. And the Holy Ghost had never moved on me. But I remember the first pastor that I was in, 1957. When I settled down, after I got married and settled down and started preaching, all of a sudden there came an emptiness in my soul. There came a vacuum inside here. And I said, there's something wrong with me. And I don't know what it is. But what had happened, the blessed Holy Ghost had turned the light on and let me see myself. Well, the only thing I could think about was, well, I don't know that I'm saved and I don't know that I'm lost and I, don't, I just don't know what to do, so I'll just press on and become a better preacher. Well, folks, it doesn't make any difference how much education you got. There's a difference between education and regeneration. Amen. I didn't know what the order was. I tried to find something at college, but I couldn't get away from the emptiness and the vacuum. I couldn't get away from what I saw, but what I saw was myself. And folks, if God ever shows you yourself and the emptiness and, and the vacuum that's in your own life, you'll cry out day and night and you'll search day and night for satisfaction in the world, but there's no fleshly amusement and no fleshly pleasure in this world can bring peace to a heart that's been exposed by the Holy Ghost. And I searched and I looked until finally, over those years, the Holy Ghost brought me to the knowledge of my lostness. But thanks be to God, He not only brought me to the knowledge of my lostness, but He would leave me a leg of which to stand. It didn't make any difference who tried to talk me into it or out of it. I knew what I was inside. I knew I was lost. But I also knew that Jesus Christ had died on Calvary's cross for my sins. 
And I knew I could have forgiveness through his blood. I God, nothing can wash my sins away but the blood of Jesus. Oh, without the shedding of blood, the scripture says, there is no remission. And you find that in the order of the tabernacle and in the order of the temple. Without the shedding of blood, there was no remission unless they brought a lamb or a bullock and they presented it and sprinkled the blood the priest did upon the brazen altar. There was no remission. There was no forgiveness. And there's no forgiveness of sins except you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. You say, but preacher, what about the order now? You say, well, how do I keep all this straight? You don't have to. What I'm trying to tell you tonight is the order the Holy Ghost puts inside you. See, it was a Holy Ghost job to do this, but he just lets you know what's going on. Don't you remember when you first realized you was lost? Sure you do. Don't you remember when you just had to accept it whether you wanted to or not? Have you ever accepted the fact that you lost? Have you ever ex- accepted the fact that before God you sinned and deserved to go to hell? Have you accepted that? You say, I never have, preacher. Well, that's God's order, ladies and gentlemen. You've got to come to that place to where you know you lost. It doesn't make any difference how big your sins were or how little your sins were because the Holy Ghost didn't convict you of what you'd done. He convicted you of what you are. And when you saw what you are, what you'd done was only a manifestation of what you are. And we usually try to talk to God about what we've done and what we hadn't done when He's talking to us about what we are. Uh, we haven't believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, with redemption and remission, what else is there? Well, there's something else connected with remission, and that's righteousness. And righteousness, a right standing, comes by faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Paul said repentance toward God, faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. When you come to the knowledge of lostness and you know it, when you exercise your faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ, there's the forgiveness of your sins, and there's a right standing with God in which He declares you righteous. You said, does anything else happen right there? Yes, regeneration. You know what happened on the sixth day here? God made a man. And Ephesians says that there's a new man on the inside of us. Colossians says there's a new man on the inside of us. Well, when God saved you, regenerated you, birthed you again, He put a new man inside you to fellowship with, just like He did with Adam in this creation. Sixth day, God made a man to fellowship with. And when God saved you, He made a man inside to fellowship with. Oh, praise God, isn't that good? You say, well, how in the world did God do it? I don't know, just by His power. I don't know how He does it. He just does it. He does a good job of doing it. You say, well, what happened on the seventh day? Well, God rested. Look over here in chapter number 2, verses 1 and 2. And the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended His work which He had made, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work which He had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. Now this I love. It's what's called rest. Hebrews chapter 4 talks about that rest. They that have believed have entered into rest. Amen. Have you ever heard the phrase, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved? Have you ever heard that phrase? Everything I'm saying is wound up in that phrase. Because when you know you're lost, and come to Jesus on the leadership of the Holy Ghost and believe on Him. He does all of it. And you say, well, what's the last thing you end up with? Rest. Peace. He said it's finished. God rested. Now, why did God rest? Because He's tired? No, God wasn't tired. He was through. 
Sotadepe. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken away. Finished. So, he just... That's the reason when Jesus died on the cross, just before he died, he said, it is finished. What's called redemption rest. And when he arose and went into heaven, first chapter of Hebrews said he sat down. So why did he sit down? Because he's finished. Nothing you can add to it. Can't take a thing away from it. Finished. Well, you know what happened when he set me in order? Not when he turned the light on. Uh-uh. Man, when he turned the light on me, I wasn't even rest. There wasn't any rest anywhere. <laughs> there wasn't anything but misery when he turned the light on. That's miserable. I ran over here, I ran over there, and I tried to be a better preacher, and I tried to work harder, tried to visit harder, and go, go, go. That's a world of activity, lostness. See, religious sinners get so religious you can't hardly stand them. Rebellious sinners, they just get meaner than the devil. But religious sinners, they start showing up for everything. Always oh, amazes me. And they rededicate till the rededicator breaks. <laughs> it always amazes me. Well, I tell you, there wasn't any rest for me. But the reason God made me restless, so I'd end up with rest. See, you don't begin with rest, you end up with rest. And that's like the Holy Ghost. He's a comforter, but he causes discomfort so he can comfort you. Well, here he starts with restlessness, whirling mass of matter, motion, chaotic, confused, disorder, disarrangement. And then God said, let there be light. And it was light. God said, now let the waters from above and the ones from beneath be, have an expanse in the middle, a firmament. And he said, now I want to put everything in order. And the Bible says, the herbs, the fruit trees, the cattle, the creeping thing produce after their kind. And that means peace trees produce peace trees. Dogs produce dogs. Cats produce cats. Monkeys produce monkeys. And people produce people. You say, why? That's order. First God has no order in everything God's done. And then all of a sudden it came along. You say, well, what did you find out? Well, I found out what disorder I was in. And I tried to arrange this mess, and it just got in a bigger mess. I tried to give up everything. Well, you know it doesn't do any good to throw something out of you if you haven't got anything in there to start with. <laughs> See, that's what my trouble was. I threw away everything and had nothing. That's the reason I knew I wasn't saved, because I didn't have any order. I didn't have any order. I never had known I was lost. And all of a sudden, that's all I did know. I got to a place I didn't know anything else but that. I'm lost, and I know it. I'm lost, and I know it. I'm lost, and I know it. But, you know, I got to the place, the only thing I knew besides that was that Jesus died for my sins, died for my sins, died for my sins, died for my sins. He said he'd save me. So one day I said, thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving my soul. Finished. Can't take anything away from it. Can't add anything to it. Finished. Over. Settled. You have a preach? Don't you ever doubt it? No, sir. Question it? Yes. And if I get some things in my life, in my room, that's not supposed to be there, I get rid of it. The devil puts a lot of things in my mind, but that doesn't mean I'm lost. That just means he cluttered up my room. You say, well, what do you do when he clutters up your mind? I decide to clean up my mind. So what I do, just like a room, I survey it. And I look at it, 
And I look at that mess, and then I begin to find out what's mine and what's not mine. I find out who put what in my room, and I find out what God put in there, and I go back and find my repentance. And then I know that anything other than that is not real, you know, as far as knowing something's concerned. So I throw that away. So I throw away everything. Finally, I find my forgiveness, and I find my believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> And I put everything in its order and my peg holes. And first thing you know, I sweep everything else out the door. And I got a beautiful, harmonious arrangement of salvation. And I look at it and I say, glory to God, isn't that pretty? (laughs) Hallelujah. I say, look at that, isn't that great? And I say, hey, come here, let me show you my room. (laughs) And I say, hey, come here, let me show you my room. So you see that right over there? I said, that right over there is reproval. Well, I, rem- I remember when God showed me what I was in a mess. I said, you see that right over there? Look at that repentance. That's, that's a change of mind. I remember, boy, when I changed my mind about what I was, and he showed me I was lost. I sure am glad he did that. But let me show you this. You see that redemption right there? That's when Jesus Christ went into heaven, paid my sin debt so I could be set free. I said, isn't it glorious? I said, that adds sparkle to the room. In fact, that makes the room glow. I said, you see that righteousness? That's the right standing I got with you. And I said, you, you, did you see this remission, that forgiveness? I said, do you see that regeneration? Yeah. I said, well, everything's at rest, isn't it? Is it in disorder? Oh, no. Do I doubt when I can find what I'm looking for? No, I don't doubt because I got God's order. You say, well, that can't be true. Now, you follow me two more truths, and I'll be through. Ladies and gentlemen, when you travel through the Scriptures, you come to Exodus when God gave you an order. Exodus chapter 12, when he was ready to let the children of Israel out of Egypt, he said, you take a lamb, put it up on the 10th day, and keep it up to the 14th day. On the evening of the 14th, you kill it. You take his blood and put it on the doorpost and the lintel of the house, and then you get behind the door, and when I see the blood at midnight tonight, I'll pass over you. That's God's order. When you come to the tabernacle in Exodus chapter 25 on top of Mount Sinai, God gave instructions for the tabernacle. That tabernacle is 150 feet long on each side, 75 feet in front and 75 feet in behind. And the front gate that faced the east was 30 feet wide, 7.5 feet high. And right inside that gate where they had to come with their offerings, they brought a substitute for them. Now, first of all, they had to admit their sinners. Now, you study the Scriptures and you'll find this true. See, God's always set up His order. You say, well, why the Old Testament? Don't you know the Bible said that the Scriptures make you wise unto salvation? And He wasn't talking about the New Testament because there wasn't any New Testament written. What makes you wise unto salvation is Old Testament order to put you in New Testament arrangement. But listen to what God said. God said, God said, if you're going to come to me, you go get you a bullock. Or you go get you an offering. And the man who brought his offering to the Lord inside that door had to go out of his own herd. And by going out and getting a substitute, he declared himself lost and a sinner. And then he went and got him a substitute, brought it to the door, put his hand on it. And that's what you call salvation by grace through faith. That was God's order. And he had to place his hand on it. That's the reason a person can't be saved and not know it. Because somewhere you had to put your hand on the Lord Jesus and say, I believe, I believe, I believe in this substitute. I believe my sins are on him. This is, they're all on him. And they did that in the Old Testament. And then after he put his hand on it, he killed it. 
And the priest sprinkled the blood on the brazen altar. But there's an order. Right behind that was the labor. And then right behind that was that little 45 by 15 by 15 room. On the inside of that was the holy place where the priest went with the table of showbread and the altar of incense and the golden candlestick. And right behind that was a cube room 15 by 15 by 15 that only the high priest on October the 10th went with his blood and sprinkled it on the mercy seat for the sins of the people. And that was the only way he could get into God. You say, what does that say? That says there's an orderly arrangement by which you approach God. And if you don't come in God's order, you don't have any forgiveness. Thanks be to God, I'm going the pathway of Jesus. And that's a pathway of the high priest. And I'm going to follow his instruction because he's the one told me that I had to know I need to substitute. Well, the only person who needs to substitute is a person who knows he's sinned. He said, was that changed? It didn't change when they came over to the temple. It was the same truth, the same layout, the same orderly arrangement. And God told them the minutest detail how to build the tabernacle and the temple. And then somebody comes along and says it doesn't matter to God about salvation. Folks, God has left the salvation plan in this blessed book to where you know it beyond doubt. The reason we don't know it today is people won't study the Bible. This is the greatest day of spiritual ignorance. Now if you can't read or write, what you need to do is to get you a set of tapes. There's nothing wrong if you can't read or write. But you need to get you a set of tapes and listen to the reading of the Word of God. If you can hear. But I run into people all the time who never even studied this blessed book. But you know, I don't blame them because that's how I was. I was, taught up, I was brought up to respect this book when I was a boy, but never to read it. Do you know how we respected it? I was taught to wipe the dust off of it when I went to church on Sunday. I was taught never to tear its pages, but I never read a chapter in it. All those early years, never read a chapter. I didn't know who Moses was. I didn't know anything about Jesus except what I'd heard in Sunday school. And I didn't know anything about that. I didn't know about the Apostle Paul. I wouldn't have known what Joshua had done. I didn't know anything. But I'd never read this book. And you know what I found? I found a bunch of folks in this day who got their order salvation, but they didn't get it from this book. You can't read this book unless you see that there's an orderly way to approach God. And it must be the way of the Holy Ghost. That's the only way to get through to God. That's the only way. You say, but preacher, surely there's a different way. No, there's not but one way to get through to God, and that's through Jesus Christ our Lord. You say, well, why does it make any difference? Well, let me tell you this, and I'm close. Two things. Number one, I learned a lesson when my dad died. That is the closest one that we've got in the family who died. My daddy used to drink liquor all my life from the time he was eight to the time he was 65. My mother got to the place that she gave up on him. And I used to tell mama, I said, Mama, God ever saves him, he changes him. I said, if he ever saves him, he changes him. And she used to say, son, he's gone too far, he never changed. And I said, Mama, if God ever saves him, he changes him. When daddy was 65, down 
on his knees beside the bed at 2.30 one morning, lifted his hands toward heaven and said, Oh, I'm a sinner. I want you to forgive me and save me. And he said, Son, like that peace came into my heart. Amen. Now, he started drinking liquor when he's eight. Eight years old. His daddy used to wake him up in the middle of the night and give him liquor to drink. So don't tell me God can't change you. There's a lot to daddy's story, but here's what I want you to say about daddy. When we put my dad in the grave at the age of 79, I was glad I could look down at a grave and know that my daddy was shouting on the hills of glory. But you know what I realized? I realized something. 79 years. Seemed like such a long time, and all of a sudden, it's just like the Bible said, a vapor that appeared for a little time and then vanished away, and daddy was gone. And then I realized it didn't matter that he was a Baptist or a Methodist or anything else, but that he was saved. Amen. And there came such a desire in my soul as a preacher to tell people wherever I went, while you're alive and while you got a chance, make sure that you're saved. Amen. Now some people say I'm trying to make you doubt your salvation. But they're lying. And if you believe that, you're mixed up yourself. I'm not trying to make you doubt anything. I'm trying to show you how to get to where you know something beyond that. Amen. Know something, folks. At least under the heavens, know if you died tonight, everything will be all right between you and God. Know that. If you don't know anything else, you don't even know whether you're married or got any children or anything, at least know that you're saved. And if you're all mixed up and confused and, and messed up and cluttered up, throw away every sin that's in your life, throw away every thought, and come back to the orderly arrangement of God's Word and get before God and ask Him through Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and save you. So I'm afraid of what people will think about me. It won't make any difference what they think about you. But the other thing is this. After I say, 33 years old, and saved now be 12 years, it's July 15. I look back at my life, and it became a marvel to me that God had even convict somebody like me. I tell you, it's just mercy. It's just mercy. The time of my salvation, as far as religious activity, I was involved in it all. But when I look back on my life, I see how God is gracious and kind in leading me and bringing me along all those years to the salvation itself. But what I ask God after I was saved, please God, let me help people. Let me help them. And I've traveled this country over and I do, I do it gladly tonight. I don't do it in rebellion. I do it gladly. And you'd walk out that door saying that Charles Shipman's trying to confuse you. But when you get to the judgment, you're going to find out the desire of my heart was to help you. It was to help you. If you're not saved, don't be ashamed to admit it. If you can't go back and set it in order, whether the circumstances was the same of mine or yours or the person next to you. If you can't go back and know when you're lost and know when you trusted Christ 
and peace and rest came, throw that thing away and get you a real salvation experience. See, I made it difficult. I just made it definite. Because the longer I live, the more I realize how precious life really is. When I was a teenager, I wouldn't listen. Because my life seemed so much in front of me. But now, 45, that's not old, but there's a lot of miles on this body. And what if I live 20 more years or 25? What difference will that make? These 45 have gone like that. When they've gone, they lay that body in the grave. I know where I'm going. And I wouldn't trade that. For a million worlds. While I was praying about what to preach today. Lord put in my soul. Set the order straight son. Set the order straight. And I knew somebody here tonight. May not be but one. I don't know. But there's somebody here tonight. That God somewhere along the way. Or maybe tonight somewhere. Has turned the light on inside you. And you're so confused because you've got so many things in your mind. And you haven't been able to, to arrange them because you might not even known there was an order. An order. An order of knowing that you're lost and an order of trusting Christ and resting in it. And it'll bring peace. If it's there, it'll bring peace. Child of God's not perfect, but he's got desire to be. And I want to tell you tonight, God loves you. God loves you and ever who this message is intended for. I pray God tonight he saves you. I pray you won't run and rebel against the God of heaven and the Holy Ghost who set down on you. Because all he wants to do is get you in an orderly arrangement to change you and save you. And when he sets you in order, everything will function properly. Let's bow our heads while we pray. Oh, our Father tonight, as I bow in your presence, I've never been more aware of my dependency on God. I, I've never been to a place when I wanted to be understood as much as tonight. Oh, dear Lord, and I'm so afraid the devil is going to make somebody misunderstand. Oh, I'm so afraid somebody's going to sit there and listen to the devil. And he's going to confuse them. But Lord, you haven't left any confusion in the Word of God. You haven't left any confusion in salvation. But the devil's confused us and we've confused ourselves. But there's somebody here tonight that you wanted to get the order straight. There's somebody here tonight who needs a real work of God and creation. Who needs to be set in order. And the approach, the arrangement of that approach is through the door of Jesus Christ. And oh, it's through the offering of Jesus Christ on Calvary. Just like they came through the door of the tabernacle to the brazen altar. There's a way to come into him. But oh Lord, I pray that sinner friend tonight will find it. I pray for that person who's bound up in all of that pride. And that person who's got a mind cluttered with so many worldly things. Lord, there's somebody tonight who needed the message. There's somebody tonight who needs to be set in order. And I pray, God, that you'll help those for your glory. While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, let's all stand to our feet, please. In an attitude of prayer.
Now I want you to listen to me carefully as Brother Johnny comes to sing or play or whatever God's going to lead him to do. You listen to me carefully. I believe that there's some of you here tonight that are saved. I really do. I, and I would probably say most of us in this building are saved. But your life may be cluttered up with so many things. Your mind's cluttered up with so many things. The devil's put so many things in your mind. The world has and you have. That's not supposed to be there. Until your life is filled with confusion. And I'm going to ask you to come tonight and throw those things away here at the altar. I'm going to ask you to come and get rid of them so you can see your, see your order straight. And when you get your mind uncluttered from all those things that's inside you and throw them away, you can see those salvation days, those salvation points clearly. But then there's some of you here tonight, you've never had a salvation experience. You don't have any order. You're trying to persuade yourself that you're saved when you have nothing to go back to. You have no time when you knew that you were lost. You have no time when you knew that Jesus Christ was your Savior and you believed on Him. And salvation came. Peace came and rest came. And it was a finished work of God. And you rested in that. And there's somebody like that tonight. And God wants that order put inside you. He wants that order. So there are two that need to come at least. One who is saved and needs to unclutter your mind and heart and life and throw it all away. And then that person who is lost and who needs to come and get an order. You say, well, preacher, what I do about all this chaos, Jesus will set you in order, dear sir. He'll set you in the sweetest, most glorious order you've ever had. And so I'm going to ask Johnny to sing for us, and while he sings for us, I'm going to ask you just to slide out from where you are and come and get here to this altar tonight.